Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the Game Day Podcast. Elliot Harrison here looking at week seven in the NFL. We're getting close to the midway point. And I have a new guest this week. Take a look at him. He's good looking. He loves old video games. He, uh, he loves board games as well, just so you know. And he also writes for USA Today. He has a podcast of his own. It's Marcus Mosher, somebody that I have followed for a long time on Twitter. And dude, it's really good. First of all, just to see you. Like, I've never seen you before. All I see is the, the Mike Tyson punch-out avatar that our producer, Ryan, corrected me because I thought it was Tecmo Bowl from Tecmo Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, it's kind of neat to just see your face. Yeah, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. But how did you not know that was uh, Mike Tyson? I mean, come on, everybody that has played any kind of video games uh, knows who that is. So I'm a little disappointed in you, Elliot, but I'll forgive you. Uh, and I'm excited to get to these, uh, this week's seven slate. A lot of fun games this week. Nice spear from 400 yards there uh, about me not knowing <laughs> that. But here's what I'd say. I'm not like you. I'm not a gamer who's got a bag of Cheetos and sitting at my desk for 16 hours, ooh, uh, you know, ooh playing Tom Clancy's whatever for money. I'm sorry, I'm not that guy. We couldn't afford Mike Tyson's punch out when I was young. Oh, so come you on, pick come on. That's fine, <laughs> you know, I, we could only afford G.I. Joe. We didn't even, I didn't even have the swivel grip with my G.I. Joe. So thanks a lot. Listen, it, it just, I mean, we know that you're old, but you're not that old, come well, on. It's... I, I'm old enough to know the value of being gainfully employed. And I want to congratulate you for being, no, the newest member of the game day. Seriously, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I followed Marcus's work for all of you out there uh, for a long time. Big Cowboys guy, but he's also followed the Raiders pretty closely now, what, for three years, Marcus? Mm -hmm. been on the Raiders. He covers the entire league, but really the Cowboys and Raiders are his bread and butter. But this year, you're not even really following the Cowboys professionally, right? Yeah, just doing a, a daily podcast on the Cowboys, but I'm on the Raiders beat right now. Yeah. Uh, but as of lately, I've been more doing just general NFL stuff. So, you know, at the game day, you're going to see me every week do uh, my five best betting tips and uh, tricks for the upcoming week, as well as an all 22 breakdown. Uh, this week, we broke down why wide receiver runs are becoming a thing uh, of the future, why more teams are using the receivers to carry the ball. Uh, so make sure you check all that out on the game day. You know, it's funny, that used to be, it's a really good observation, it used to be called the reverse, but it's really just an end run or uh, a more common name for is a jet sweep. It's been used so effectively, but when it's ineffective, it's so bad. You know, you've got a second and five, and if it's ineffective, you're looking at third and 12. But uh, other than that, what, what was your biggest takeaway from week six in the NFL? Yeah, so going into the season, a lot of people were talking about how the first four or five weeks of the year would look like a glorified preseason, right? With no preseason games this year, uh, no training camp, limited offseason stuff. Uh, we knew the first month of the season was going to be sloppy. And it looked like the, the offenses were quite a bit ahead of the defenses. For sure. In week six, I think we're starting to see those good defenses really make a difference, right? We saw what Tampa Bay did to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they harassed him all day. They picked him off, and that game wasn't even close after the first quarter. We saw what Pittsburgh's defense did to Cleveland, who was averaging over 30 points per game. I think over the next month, you're going to see these defenses start to catch up to the offenses. These bad quarterbacks that were putting up a bunch of yards earlier, like in September, are going to start to fall off a little bit. So – 
I think this is when the NFL is going to start looking like the NFL that we've, we've come to know. I agree with you. You know, I was going to look up something real quick, but I, I, you, you took my observation because that's what my observation was actually going to be. But I, I'll give you another one. You know, the Paul Tagliabue vision of the NFL was parody. And it started in, in uh, well, it should go back a ways. It really started back in the 30s when the NFL started doing the draft in reverse order of how you finished. Uh, that was a way to, to bring it together. Then they started sharing television money in the 60s. Uh, then free agency started. They had plan B free agency. Then they did real free agency. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they agreed to that in 92. Salary cap started in 94. And so all those things have brought the league really close together where you've got seven and nine and nine and seven teams and you can split hairs. Not this year. I feel like we have a clear delineation of who the elite are and who the really bad teams are. And when, they're, when I say really bad, there are some really, really bad teams in the league right now. And I feel like, Marcus, doesn't it feel a little unusual that, that we have so many haves and have-nots? Uh, granted that it's only week seven. Yeah, I don't think it's that surprising, right? Because we talked about all offseason how the teams with continuity, uh, the ones that were bringing back the same head coaches, the same coaching staffs, quarterbacks, those were going to be the teams that had the most success this year. And that's what's playing out on the field, right? You're seeing Pittsburgh, who's bringing back, you know, all 22 of their starters. They started the season off 5-0. Seattle, uh, same head coach, same coaching staff, same offensive line, same receivers, 5-0. Tennessee, for the most part, the same team. So uh, I, that's not all that surprising to me. I do think as we get further along in the season, we'll see some more of that parity because uh, these teams that have new coaches or new quarterbacks will start to catch up. But I like that observation. That makes a lot of sense. I'll raise your 5-0 and oh and give you some others. Uh, Jets, 0-6. Oh mm. Bengals, 1-4-1. One, one. Jacksonville, 1-5. and five. Houston, 1-5. and five. Uh, Chargers, 1-4. and four. Although, I'm, I put an asterisk on the Chargers. Yeah, they're better than what their record yeah. indicates, right? They've been in almost every single game. Uh, Vikings, 1-5. and five. That's a surprise. Uh, Falcons, 1-5. and five. And then just take the whole NFC East and, and drop it in there. But you're looking at how many? We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams that have one win or less. That's incredible. I mean, maybe maybe you weren't surprised, but I think if I went to most people and said, hey, after six weeks of the NFL season, we're going to have ten teams with one win or less, I don't know, man. That's uh, shocking to me. It is, but at the same time, it's not because you look at the quarterbacks that are on those eight to 10 really bad teams and they're all, you know, aging veterans or rookies or young quarterbacks who we still don't know a lot about. Except for in some Herbert. of the cases. I'm, and Herbert. Herbert's yeah. been good though. And that's why I said we can put an asterisk on that Chargers team. I'm fine with that. Uh, but you look at like the NFC, or NFC East, excuse me. Washington's already benched Dwayne Haskins and they're on Kyle Allen. Uh, the Giants have a second year quarterback in. Daniel Jones. The right. Cowboys are on their second quarterback in Andy Dalton. And then Philadelphia has lost everybody on offense except for Carson Wentz. So it's not all that surprising to me that so many of these teams are struggling because of poor quarterback play. Well, speaking of the Eagles and the Giants, we're going to get to that game, maybe the ugliest game on the schedule this week, but we're not going to do that just yet because I want to look at some odds as well as how I did last week, which, dude, Marcus, I was so bad. I was so bad. We're having a little debate whether I was one in five or two in five. But here's the good news. They both are crappy. 
So it doesn't really matter which one I was. If I was two and five, I was 20 and 12. If I was one and five, I was nine, I'm 19 and 12, which is decent on the season. But I found last week to be really hard. I did not expect the Rams to be so dysfunctional on offense. Cooper Cup misplayed two balls. There was a deep ball that he misplayed. He lost track of it. Then he dropped one right in his hands in the end zone. Uh, the Bucks, Packers, the Packers were so bad that the Bucks literally just slammed it on the brakes in the fourth quarter and said, we don't need to score. We're just going to hand off, hand off, hand off. And so you miss on things like that. What did you think? Yeah, this is a good little bit of information for betters, right? If you don't love the slate of games, you don't have to bet on them, right? That's just right. pick the two or three games that you like every week. Uh, now, you and I, we're in some different positions that we have to pick a lot of games through the week. But if you're actually wagering on these games, stay to the two, three, four games you like rather than betting on a whole slate. Um, but I agree with you. It was a weird week. And I think a lot of the reason was because of what we just mentioned, the defense is catching up to some of the offenses. Um, some of these games were over quickly. And I think what you saw from a team, let's use, use the Cleveland Browns for a second. If you bet on the Browns plus three in that game, your ticket was over about 20 minutes in, right? Because Cleveland is a team that can't come from behind. You know, they were down 10 nothing in that game within the first five minutes. And that's just not the way they, they can play. So one of the strategies that I'm using going forward, I'm just out on all bad quarterbacks, right? I'm just not ever betting on the Andy Dalton's, the Gardner Minshew's, the Baker Mayfield's again because of the, that exact scenario, right? When they get down in games, it's just too hard for them to come back. I'm not betting on bad offenses anymore. So uh, betters out there, please use that advice. Just pick the six, seven quarterbacks you trust. I promise you over the long run, it's going to work out. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thought. You look at the over, right? Some people don't want to bet the under because they feel like you're rooting for a bad thing to happen or mm -hmm. several bad things to happen. It's not it's as much fun. fun. Well, it's not as much fun, but the problem with betting the over is what I ran into this week, which is if the Bucks are destroying the Packers, they're just going to hand the ball off in the fourth quarter. There was no reason for that game to be under. The game was cruising to over. Uh, the, the Cardinals Cowboys, you had uh, Gallup dropped a ball in the end zone. You had that uh, play with CD Lamb. Those two plays don't happen. That game's cruising to the over. The problem with the over is not just that you're banking on the defense is still being lousy, but you're also hoping that one team doesn't get so far ahead that they just hand off, hand off, hand off. And that's what happened. And it's when I said the discrepancy, I think I had the Cardinals to cover in the game to be over. Uh, obviously it didn't turn out that way, mm -hmm. but it brings up a good point that the Cowboys were the home team. I thought they would put up more points, but home teams, Marcus, this year, straight up, they're 47, 43, and one against the spread. They're 41 and 50. Uh, I, I assume we can blame this on the pandemic. Do you think it could be anything else? No, I just think it's a weird year. Also, we got to look at the sample size, right? We're only six games into the season. I do think those numbers will start to pull apart as we get further into the year. And it looks like we're slowly inching into having more fans in these stadiums, you know, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, they're starting to get some more. Um, so I think that'll even itself out. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid of taking a road favorite anymore. It used to be if you see a home underdog, you take him every single time because it always pays out. I'm not afraid of the road favorite anymore. 
don't know. I, I mean, I'm glad that the fans can go to the games, but I'm going to kind of miss the stadium guy who's hitting the canned uh, stuff, <laughs> especially when like a receiver drops the ball and you get the, oh, I'm like, they actually have like a button for that, for that weird, weird react. I also, by the way, love hearing the players on the sideline. I do. Oh, it's great. Big it's fantastic. Oh, it's so cool. When Derrick Henry's stiff arming somebody and you can hear the guys going wild, it's something that we really haven't gotten as an audience ever. And so it, it reminds me a little bit of like high school football. If you go to some of these high school football games that only have 500, yeah. 600 people in there, it's the, the players on the sidelines that are making the noise. And that's what makes it feel so authentic. I actually like it. I, I don't hate it. Um, I, want, I want fans to be back in the stadiums as much as you do. But it, it, it really hasn't changed my viewing experience all that much, right? Yeah, well, you're right. High school football and Chargers games the last few years. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I, poor I, Chargers fans. Completely. Just catching uh, strays all over the place. Uh, Over-unders, uh, over is 47 and 43. I thought that would be higher, but this week, as I was just explaining, it was not a good week for the over. And I knew there was going to be a week, and you referred to this already, Marcus, where there are going to be a lot of unders because the defense was going to finally turn the corner. And I really think I've done several podcasts with Rod Woodson, my buddy, and he's, uh, he and I have been talking about it, that when you, when you talk about not getting practice time, if the secondary can't work together, communication is so important, even nonverbal, just, you know, Hey, you got me, you got my back mm -hmm. on this or whatever. You can't freelance as a corner ever. Um, Zone coverage dominates the NFL now, Marcus. I really think as the secondaries work together more throughout the season, and if Vegas doesn't correct itself enough, we're going to see a lot more unders. Yeah, we're also seeing teams in practice tackle more because, you know, in training camp, teams right. are limited to three, four padded practices, you know, through all of August. Now that we're in the season, most teams are having at least one, if not two padded practices, which means better tackling, fewer missed tackles in a game, all of these things contribute to lower points uh, totals. We're also going to be getting into some weather coming up in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, once we get into November and December, the wind, rain, like we saw the Buffalo-Kansas City game, the rain completely changed that game. Those kind of things are going to make the under a more popular pick here uh, in the next several weeks. Over under that you've got a Cowboys 70s road blue jersey there in your collection in the background. I actually do not. I do not own a single Cowboys jersey because there hasn't been one player yet that I'm like, I, I have to have their jersey. Some of the ones behind me are just iconic, right? A Devin Hester or a Reggie Bush from USC. I mean, who is the one go-to Cowboy guy that you have to have the jersey of? Avion Kaysan. <laughs> the former running back with the uh, Bill Parcells era. Troy Hambrick. Yeah, there you go. You, yeah. You're talking about all my childhood stars right there. Your childhood. That is so... <laughs> You got, I mean, you could have a Darren Woods in 28 back there. I think that would be a solid way to go. But Yeah, you, yeah. Have, to, you have to go like early 90s if you're going to go with a Cowboys jersey because anything, you know, anything in the 2000s has been a little rough. But, I, I mean, it's, it's a little bit out of the picture right now. You can't see it. I do have a Tony Romo autographed picture up in my corner. So that's, that's good. I have to have at least a little bit of Cowboys memorabilia here in the office. It's a good, it's a good football corner. I like it. I love the Blitnikoff. Uh, Raiders jersey. It looks good. And the Hester looks great as well. So I'm just giving you a hard time. I want to give you some updated numbers on uh, Super Bowl. Uh, it's Kansas City is still the favorite. Uh, Baltimore, they're plus 385. Kansas City, Baltimore's 580. Uh, Seattle, 750. So basically seven and a half to one. 
Pittsburgh is plus 1,100, which seems awfully low. And then you've got Tampa Bay at plus 1,200. Pittsburgh wasn't even in the top four last week when we did Super Bowl odds. Marcus, Green Bay was the fourth team. Do you feel like Pittsburgh should be that far behind these other teams in Super Bowl odds? Absolutely not. You look at Pittsburgh's schedule the rest of the, the season. They have a game against the Titans and Ryan Tannehill this week. They have two more meetings with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Outside of that, they're going to have the better quarterback in every game the rest of the season. They're probably going to be favored in every game. So I think they should be favored to win the AFC North. It wouldn't even be all that surprising if they end up being the number one seed in the AFC this year. And remember, that's even more important this year than in previous seasons because only one team gets a first-round bye this season. So with their schedule and how soft it is the rest of the way, uh, I think they're a really good bet to get to 12, maybe even 13 wins this season. And then once you get to the playoffs, this is a team that doesn't lose at home very often. They've yep. got a veteran offense with a really good quarterback, and they've got the number two ranked defense in the NFL that can get a ton of turnovers, number one scoring margin or scoring differential in all the NFL. I mean, they shouldn't be the favorites over Kansas City in the AFC, but at number two, I think they're a pretty good bet. So at, at plus 1,100, I like that a lot. You know, I would say with Pittsburgh, if they play a home game in the playoffs, we've talked about how there's not much of a home field advantage on this podcast a lot right now. However, there is a home field advantage when you're playing Heinz Field because it's very tough for visiting kickers. Mm -hmm. And when, in the playoffs, that's a huge thing. All it takes is a couple missed kicks. I, I remember that happened with the 2004 Jets. They went in there. They should have won the game. They didn't. Their kicker missed some kicks, and, and it can happen. Uh, looking at Steelers' schedule here, uh, we got at Titans, at Baltimore. That's going to be tough. But after I just need that, to split those. Just need to split those. It'll be all right. Split those. Okay, so now you're 6-1. and one. At Dallas, 7-1. and one. Cincinnati at home, 8-1. and one. Jacksonville on the road, 9-1. and one. Maybe Baltimore can beat them, but – uh, you know, we'll give them a loss. Call. Even give them a loss there. Watch how easy it gets the rest Nine of the season. I'm with you here. Washington football team, 10 and two at Buffalo. Give them a loss. 10 and three at Cincinnati, 11 and three Colts at home. Uh, I'll go 12 and three. And then at Cleveland, even if they kind of fall flat, you're still looking at 12 and four. And right. This is a really good team. And I, I think the schedule, the schedule is going to help them out in so many different ways. So, yeah, I, I really like this team as a, you know, one that could get to the Super Bowl. I, I don't think the road's going to be all that hard. And also, when you get to you get to the playoffs, think about their potential matchups, right? If they're playing Josh Allen, I love their defense against Josh Allen. If they're playing the Raiders and they're playing Derek Carr, they're going to be able to beat Derek Carr. The only team that I think matches up well with them in the conference is Kansas City, right? They're the only team that can pass the ball and spread them out. Other than that, I love that matchup. I, I mean, I'll take them against any other team in the AFC. You know, there's – well, there's one team, I think Baltimore, that, that definitely could do it. You know, Pittsburgh's got some injuries right now, uh, linebacker. It'll be interesting playing a running team. You know, the thing with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, though, Mark, is you just never know with those two teams. You just never know. And so I, that would be the one team I wouldn't want to see them have to play in the postseason. Mm -hmm. But if you're asking me, would I rather them play the Ravens or the Chiefs? I'd, I'd rather them play the Ravens. Uh, you're right. The Chiefs are – the Chiefs deserve to be at the top of the Super Bowl odds. I mean, I think it's – I think in this case, Vegas got it right. MVP, 
interesting. So Russell Wilson is number one. He didn't play last week. Uh, he's at minus 140. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is plus 400. That's a pretty big difference mm-hmm. in the MVP race right there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, plus 650. Lamar Jackson, plus 1,400. So they're saying 14 to 1. Uh, Derek Henry, plus 4,000. What do you think of that? Yeah, so let's talk about Derrick Henry. Um, what is the number that Derrick Henry would have to get to in terms of rushing yards to be in, even in the conversation, like the top two or three? Like he he has to get to two thousand rushing yards. Yeah, and, and I mean, how how many running backs have rushed for two thousand yards? I mean, I could say your name them all, but just as a general question, that's a really hard thing to do, right? And especially in this day and age, right? So. I think 2,000 yards, I would say 15 to 20 touchdowns, then he's got a really good chance. And there's also a, a team element to this as well. Uh, Tennessee would probably need to be the number one or number two seed in the conference, right, for him to earn the MVP honors over Patrick Mahomes. Because if Kansas City goes 14-2 and two and he throws 40 touchdowns, they're going to give it to a quarterback, right? But if Tennessee leapfrogs Kansas City and he has – 2,400 total yards and 20 plus touchdowns. I think we can at least have a conversation then, but it's going to be a lot, very much dependent on how Tennessee does as a team. Wait, did you say 2,400 yards? I'm saying 2,400 total yards. I don't, I mean, oh, oh. I thought you were saying 2,400 rushing yards. No, 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 total yards because he runs for 2,400 yards. No, of course. And he breaks that record, of course. I'm saying 2,400 total yards. That's similar to what Christian McCaffrey did last year, right? Ain't no way anybody's rushing for 2,400 yards. No, 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 no. Ain't, ain't no way. Can you name, by the way, all the 2,000-yard rushers? Since you oh, make fun of me being old, I'm just wondering, can you get them all? Uh, so Adrian Peterson. Yeah. OJ Simpson. OJ Simpson. You're doing good. Jamal Lewis. Doing, oh, I didn't think you'd get that one. Yeah. Uh, how many more is there? Just a few. Come on. Oh, man. I, I, don't, I don't even know if I can get to all of them. Uh, Sean Alexander. See. Sean Alexander did not do it. I'll, I'll spot you. Uh, I'll spot you, Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson. 1984. Okay. Got a guy that you love, 1997. You love this guy. Come on. Is it Terrell Davis? Well, Terrell Davis did it in 98. So there's okay. another one. Come on. Who did it the year before Terrell Davis? Maybe the most exciting running back to ever play. Was it Barry Sanders? Barry Sanders. Yeah, there you go. Did you uh, – well, you missed one. How about, how about Chris Johnson? There you go, CJ2K. We're going to talk about him in just a second. Interesting thing uh, with one of his former Titans teams. Uh, just last week, by the way, Russell Wilson's odds, MVP odds, actually went up a great deal from last week. He was at plus 110. He went to minus 140 on a bye week. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' odds went down. Patrick Mahomes' odds went slightly up. Lamar Jackson close to staying the same. And Alvin Kamara was actually the next closest guy uh, not Derrick Henry. So kind of interesting thing there. Uh, I wanted to tell you also that I think we are at a point where having a non-quarterback win the MVP is is 10 to 1 by itself, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, wide receiver's never been MVP. J.J. Watt had about as good a year as a defensive player could ever have uh, back in 2014, and he was, I think, second that year. Didn't he go Rodgers, Watt, Romo, mm-hmm. I believe, that year? Yeah, Ro- we could talk about Romo not getting the MVP. He's the only quarterback ever to lead, lead the NFL in yards per attempt, passer rating, and completion percentage and not win MVP. But 
I'm not bitter or anything. Sorry. Game. We're going to do some game previews with Marcus pretty soon. But right now, we're actually going to talk to Sean Lowry from NFL Pickwatch. Okay, as promised, Sean Lowry from NFLPickwatch.com. Dare I say, founder of NFLPickwatch.com. Sean, you look, I, you're more handsome this week than you were last week. And I think it's your camera's up angle, which really shows the chiseled chiseledness of your beard i think you let the mustache part of your beard grow in you look good this is the only reason i come on elliot is for these compliments this is this is my motivation every week so let's be honest here dude i am uh i'm stalling do you know why i'm stalling because at best i went two and five last week uh, i say at best because we have a little discrepancy about whether i went one or five one and five or two and five we had a Cardinals-Cowboys discrepancy. So even if I went two and five, exactly how bad was I and how bad am I on the season at 20 and 12? Where do I, where do I, how am I doing with everybody else? 20 and 12 is actually still pretty good. Right now, you're not slipping behind too badly with that one week. Um, there were people last week who did pretty well. There were some guys on 11 and three. Um, against the spread? But, but against the spread, sometimes wow. you just... Sometimes you just get it all right. Um, on the season, you're still doing pretty well. You would still actually be top um, right now if, wow. we, if we were talking about that. There, there are people who have probably picked a few less games, who've got a few more win percentage points than you, but very few. So right now, it's no reason to panic if you've had one bad week. You know how it is in picking. How bad am I picking games on Thursday night historically? Do you have any kind of data there? Uh, yes, as as a result of our discussion last week, I did look into this, and your your percentage on a Thursday sixty two point three five percent, which is pretty good when you think about Thursday games and the general things. I think you've got it in your head because you've got two days to think about that one pick, and it's the one that sometimes those thirty seven point whatever percent you've got wrong, you'll be stewing on those. Well, I, I think because historically. I don't know what my win percentage is all time, like overall, but I'm, I'm guessing it's somewhere in the high 60s. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's as high as 68, but I know it's, so, you know, it's somewhere in the mid to high 60s. So it's when actually thinking, 65%. Okay, cool. So I'm 3% lower on Thursday night football, but it feels like I'm about 30% lower. <laughs> I always struggled so bad. And I'm not trying to make fun of myself too much here, but, I always found it difficult for teams on a short week and it's, it's so difficult to predict because those guys that are questionable, Sean, that, that you're expecting to play Sunday on Thursday, you have no idea if they're going to play or not. And uh, the travel schedule is difficult for some teams to manage. It's just a different deal. But this year you can almost say that about every game with the pandemic. What trends have you noticed, though, this year, despite all the weirdness of the 2020 NFL season? Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the big trends this year is that uh, I think the underdogs, they are winning more games. So whether it is the, um, the pandemic or the preparation time or anything like that, I'm not sure. But all I know is this, teams that have a spread under two and a half points as underdogs, are winning an extraordinary amount of time. We're talking about 14 and 4 so far this season, wow. which is 
as underdogs, that's huge. For yeah. reference, this time last year, it was 10, 10, and 1. So a few less games this season, but by and large, the underdogs are winning those games. And it's an unusual trend. Um, so there's actually a huge correlation between the size of the spread and whether a team wins. These teams aren't just covering, they're actually winning. And a team facing right. a lower spread has an extraordinarily bigger chance to win. Uh, when a team faces a spread over six and a half points, that win percentage goes down dramatically. They're five and 25. Hmm. Do you have any uh, teams that you've got on upset watch for this year? Or for this, excuse me, for this week? Yeah, this week um, we're big on Tennessee. So Tennessee's efficiency in the red zone is a huge factor there. Uh, mm. I'm not sure what you guys have got, but we have Tennessee winning that game. Um, we think that the Steelers are pretty profligate, so they have the ball a lot. They don't always do enough with it. And we think Tennessee are the team to take them down on that front. Um, we have Dallas. Right now, Dallas are the underdogs. Now, that's probably going to change, I believe. Um, the public love Dallas. So I'm pretty sure that by kickoff, Dallas won't be the underdogs, but right now they are. And I would take Dallas myself too. I think that Washington don't have a run game. That's where Dallas are really weak. So I don't think Washington can take advantage. And the final team, we have a full article on this, but the final team I'm going to give you, Chicago. Chicago to beat the Rams. The Rams who have only beaten the NFC East this year. And uh, we've all beaten the NFC East, Elliot. I've beaten the NFC East, I think. <laughs> well, Marcus and I were talking about – by the way, Marcus Mosher, good follow for you. Uh, if you don't follow his work, Sean, check him out. Well, Marcus and I talked about the Bears before this segment. When we, we talked about the Bears are his hardest team to pick. Yeah. Uh, I'll pick that back up. Um, you know, Sean, uh, Marcus and I talked about the Bears. By the way, Marcus, great follow for you if you don't follow his work. Uh, about the Bears being the hardest team for him to pick. And maybe it's a trust factor, you know, with their offense. But there's still room for a team to win playing defense and special teams, especially making your kicks. The, the Bears, to me, are, are still difficult to take. In fact, this game, you know, the Rams are favored by five and a half. For me, I'm thinking I'm avoiding this game altogether. Have you found with analysts that they have been wrong about the Bears quite a bit? Yeah, the Bears have been one of those un untrendy teams, shall we say. They're one of those teams that it's really difficult to pick, as you said. Um, they don't score many points, but they don't give up a lot of points. They've only given up 20 points or more once this season. So that's uh, the game that they actually won as well against Atlanta. So really, we're looking at a team that, let's be honest, it's hard to get behind a team that doesn't score a lot of points because you can always envisage them losing the game. You can never really envisage them sort of winning by two, three scores. It just isn't going to happen. But in this case, the Rams are kind of similar. So if you look at the Rams, again, they've only beaten the NFC East. You know, they've really struggled against the other teams. And if you, they even struggle against the Giants. I mean, that game was a mess. They didn't score many points. Well, it's got 17 points against the Giants. Uh, the Giants have got an okay defense, but it's not enough that you would look at it and think, all right, yeah, the Rams are some, you know, five, six-point favorites. It doesn't stack up. There's some games on the schedule this week that aren't really enticing that you can't trust the teams involved, like Giants-Eagles. But this is a, a matchup between teams that could be playoff teams that I don't feel like you could trust because you're talking about the Bears, but 
you know, uh, Sean, I bet you the Rams have been tough for analysts to pick as well. I know I missed their matchup with the 49ers last week. I missed the over-under, and I missed the uh, line on that game. I also missed on the Rams last week. Um, I think they're one of those teams where, again, offensively they flatter to deceive. You know, they'll have that game. They scored 30 points against Washington, and you start thinking, yeah, they're, they're on this. But actually, right. if you look at the way the analysts pick, they tend to go with the flow. When the Rams are winning, that's when the analysts are right on them. And then they lose, and then the analysts get right off them. And they win again. And you know what it's like to be on the wrong side of that curve? As soon as you start picking against the team, that's when they win. As soon as you start getting on their bandwagon, that's when they start losing again. Do you have any other nuggets that uh, could make us all smarter or you think people would be interested in knowing? Let me make you smarter, my friend. Oh, I'm ready. Um, who do you think, if you, if you put $50 on every single team to win this season, mm-hmm. who do you think would have made you the most money, if you had a guess? If I put $50 on every team? Money line to win. Uh, oh, my gosh. Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty good, but it's actually the Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders. You'd have pretty much doubled your money if you, if you bet on the Raiders, $50 a time. Um, they would have netted you $245 if you'd have bet on their five games so far. $50 a time, that's $250. You'd have $245 more in your pocket if you'd bet on the Raiders. Uh, the next team, the Bears. 230. Again, like you said, no confidence in the Bears, which means that the spreads, the points that you're going to get, the odds you're going to get, they're going to be better. And the same goes for the third place team, the Titans. You have $175 more in your pocket betting $50 on the Titans every time this year. And that's again, because you know what? The people making the odds and the public, they can't get behind these three teams. So Sometimes it's better to be able to pick a team like that than it is to be able to pick the favorites like the Chiefs or the teams like the Dolphins. They're sometimes going to kind of mess you around a little bit because they're going to lose games they should win. And then you haven't quite made up enough um, to make up for those losses. The Chiefs, for example, you wouldn't be up as much with the Chiefs. You'd only be up $82 betting on the Chiefs every week, even though they've only lost one game. May I cancel my Dolphins pick? You may cancel your Dolphins pick. And okay. I can tell you that they would be $85 to the good, though, with the Dolphins. You'd still be good. So, I see. I see. Uh, you said Dallas would be an upset for you. And you said Chicago. And you said Tennessee. Anybody else out there that, that you think would be a good upset pick? I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, um, Detroit. So Detroit. Detroit I, this week play against I, Atlanta. No. no, it's a no from you. No, Atlanta. You don't like Detroit. Atlanta is going to cover and win that game. The Falcons aren't (laughs) as bad as you think they are. Listen, this will be our little challenge. I will. uh, I will bet you a University of North Texas hoodie. uh, Oh, I'm all for this. I I know you really want a University of North Texas Mean Green hoodie, and maybe I can provide that. But I'm not going to lose. So (laughs) for you, I would want you to go to Taco Bell somewhere over there in the UK and ship me some bean burritos if I win. Please don't do that. That, that is A, very doable, and B, I'm pretty confident I'm not going to have to do it, so I'm, I'm pretty okay with it. Um, There's a Taco yeah. Bell close to where you live in the UK? Define close. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we may be talking around about 150 miles. So 
let's, let's and, and the area that it is is actually locked down at the moment so <laughs> i would have to go in there under cover of darkness open up the taco bell send this all out via airmail it's going to arrive in quite some state and it's probably not going to be as good as the taco bell that you've got over there so that's a good point. You know, when it comes to, to my uh, fast food, I want quality, not delayed by the mail. Uh, really important question here. I need your analysis. You told me off camera that you watched the Star Trek movies for the first time. Now, I assume you mean the new Chris Pine movies, not I the do. older ones. Can you, uh, can you tell me your overall thought process? Which one's the best? Is it better than Star Wars? Ooh. Um, that's the real, because I'm a Star Wars fan, so I'm gonna, um, it's better than two of the Star Wars trilogies. It's better than, than the Phantom Menace. Th those three films are bad. They're yeah. probably the worst films. Some of them are the worst films I've ever seen. The second one might be the worst film ever Attack made. Attack of the Clones was awful. It's just I, so bad. I don't know what your analysts picked on Pick Watch, but I bet you the majority of them picked against Attack of the Clones. I, I was actually way, way, way low on the clones. I actually thought they were going to lose from the start. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's probably the original Star Wars trilogy still stands alone. If you just watch that one, and if you maybe just the first of the new trilogy from Star Wars, yes, it's a yes from me on that one. However, after that, I think all of the new um, Star Trek ones are pretty good, and I actually really like them. Um, the first one was a bit corny but yeah i like them all well you didn't know that was christopher bannon i bet you as a romulan in the first one but the first star wars excuse me star trek relaunch i think is the best movie out of all the star wars uh relaunches and all the star trek relaunches i really liked uh rogue one and i yeah. actually thought the last star wars movie was pretty good uh, it entertained me but uh, i know that's what people tune in for is our star trek opinions uh, meanwhile, if you actually want to see football data and not hear us talk about Chris Pine, you can go to NFLPickWatch.com. Sean does great work there. You can see a lot of these trends with the analysts because he makes it very easy and pleasing to look at and see what teams people are picking and what teams they're not picking. Either way, do not trust Sean's pick of the Lions. It's the Falcons all the way. And I would stay away from that Bears-Rams game no matter what you do. Either way, Sean, you look great. Appreciate you coming on and uh, hope to see you next week. Yeah, I look forward to it, Elliot. Thanks for having me on. You betcha. Hey, we really appreciate Sean coming on. We're bringing Marcus back in here. And Marcus, Sean has been doing this since 2012. It's so cool just to kind of see how your peers in the business are doing. And what's really cool, too, is you see, like, what people are good at picking what teams. And some teams, you're just lousy at picking because you never know what they're going to do. If I, if I said, who's the most inconsistent team in the league where you never know what's going to happen, who would be that team for you? The Bears. I, I can never figure out the Bears. I think I have like 0-50 betting on the Bears in the last right. you know, few years. It just I, I, I never trust their quarterbacks, but I always love the defense. I always think they can keep it close, and they always let me down. So it's, it's Chicago. You know, last week we mentioned my terrible record. I actually wanted to go with the Bears, and then I finally just said, you know what? skip it just skip it don't don't even put your money on it because i you just it, it's so hard to determine what they're going to do another team that's very difficult and sean last week actually told me maybe the hardest team in the league to predict the indianapolis colts over the last few years they're on a bye this week the dolphins have made a change at quarterback they're on a bye 
the Ravens are on a bye, and the Vikings, who really struggled. What a terrible time uh, for a bye week for that group. Those are our bye teams. So now we're going to get into the games. And this is one that, Marcus, you started to touch on earlier with Carson Wentz. we got the Giants at Eagles. If the Giants are going to make anything out of this season, and which I don't think the Giants are a playoff team, but if they have any fascination with thinking that they can do that, Maybe fascination isn't really the word uh, for it. Maybe like uh, dreams. Yeah, sure. Of making it. This would be the week, the game that they would need to win. Philadelphia, I think, can take control of the division uh, by winning this game. The Eagles are four-point favorites. They're at home. The over-under is very low. It's 43-and-a-half. How are you seeing this game? Yeah, I don't think this is a good matchup for the Giants. Uh, The Giants' biggest problem right now is their offensive line. They just can't protect Daniel Jones. And for as bad as the Eagles have been all season long, the one thing they can do well is rush the passer. Their front four is incredible with Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett. They can get after the quarterback. Daniel Jones is somebody who has struggled to to hold on to the ball, uh, not only with interceptions but fumbles. Uh, outside of their week five game against the Cowboys uh, where they put up 34 points or whatever it was, this has been one of the league's worst offenses. And I don't see it getting, getting better on a short week. I like the Eagles here to, to win. Uh, I would say about the point total. We do see on these Thursday night games, there's typically more scoring than usual just because that's a short turnaround for defenses, right? Only four days to get up uh, to game plan. I don't expect a ton of points in this game, but 45, 46 total, that seems about right. Yeah, um, so you might have seen my eye line going to my left. I'm still managing Google Docs. Not, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand the whole reasoning behind Google Docs. You, you kids, you know, whatever happened to just like writing on a stone tablet, passing it back and forth? Give me a you break. know who also probably doesn't understand it? Jason Garrett, and he's running the Giants offense this season. No, that so. was not fair. That wasn't fair at all. I don't appreciate that. Uh, Okay. So when I look at this game, the Eagles put up a lot of points last week against the Ravens, Marcus, with still a lot of injuries. Uh, I I think they're a better team than what we're seeing. And I feel they're the favorite in the division. And I also think people are being unfair to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has been running around – while he gets no blocking, he makes plays outside the pocket. Maybe it mm-hmm. hasn't been perfect to this point, but it's really easy to judge a quarterback when he's under a pressure immediately and his offensive line is banged up. I think this is a better team. I think they're the best team in the NFC East. I thought that at the beginning of the year uh, when a lot of people didn't, I think most people thought the Cowboys were. I don't know that the Giants are good enough to go in there and win. I, I I admire the way that they're playing, but they just don't have the firepower on offense unless I'm seeing something wrong. Am I, you tell me if I'm seeing something wrong, I'll listen. I, I don't think they're there yet. The Giants. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the Giants are still, you know, in phase one of their rebuild, you know, they drafted an offensive tackle at number four and Andrew Thomas, he's been uh, up and down. Uh, We know that Joe Judge wants to rebuild this offensive line. They have to find pass rushers next year. They're still a ways away. As for Carson Wentz, I mean, you can look at it, you know, one of two ways. Is he, are the reasons why he's struggling excuses or are they explanations? I think the reason they're, they're struggling is that offensive line, right? When you take away a Jason Peters, a Lane Johnson, an Andre Dillard, a Brandon Brooks, 
I mean, those are four of his starting five offensive linemen, and now they're gone. And not only that, he's having to deal with injuries to Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and Deshaun Jackson. Not a lot of quarterbacks would thrive in that situation. Uh, the stats haven't always been good, but no. they have been close in some of these games, right? They had a chance to beat Baltimore. Uh, they had a chance to take a, lead, a late lead over Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh in the fourth quarter. They're close. I, I think this is the week they get back on track. Well, the problem for Carson Wentz right now is the interceptions. He's got eight touchdowns, nine interceptions. Looking at his numbers right here, yards per attempt is not good. Six, that's very below average in today's NFL. 58.7 completion percentage. You want to see that number around, I think at the lowest, 64 is mm-hmm. where you want to be. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks are in the high 60s. Some are over 70. But an eight to nine touchdown to interception ratio is not good. But, you know, they're, gonna, they're not going to have Sanders this week. They're not going to have Alshon Jeffrey. As you just went through their offensive line, it's tough. That's why the over-under to me is uh, better than picking the line in this game. I could see the Eagles beating the Giants by three points. They're favored by four. So my inclination is to say walk away from this game. But historically, I've been awful at picking Thursday night games. Uh, Last week, I mentioned on the podcast, the last year I picked every game of the season. I finished first, but I was under 500 picking Thursday night games. So I'm actually going to go with you and ride your coattails on this one. And I'm going to pick the over that it's going to be about 45 points. Because I think 43 and a half is a hair, a hair too small. Yeah, especially if you're anticipating some turnovers in this game, right? If you expect Daniel Jones to fumble, yeah, or Carson Wentz to throw some interceptions, short fields, some defensive points. I like that a lot. Uh, Just one more quick note on the Eagles. They've won five, uh, five straight games. Uh, against the Giants at home. I expect that to be six now. I'm not as big on those kind of numbers, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I, because it covers multiple coaching staffs and multiple personnel. And so while I used to follow those trends, Marcus, and it would inform my decision-making, coaches don't last as long as they used to. Players don't stay on the teams as long as they used to. So it's really hard to cover trends unless you're covering the same regime like the Jason Garrett era, for example. I don't think you can compare Mike McCarthy's Cowboys to Jason Garrett's Cowboys or, you know, the Giants in the past, the Giants this year. But that's just a little offhand note. I didn't mean to poo-poo your trend, by the way. No, that's all right. I think they're more valuable, too, when the teams play each other twice a year, like this that's in the true. NFC East, right? Oh, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Very good. And, point. and Doug Peterson has traditionally done very well against the Giants. It's a lot of the same players over the last couple of years. So I, I get what you're saying, uh, but for the most part, I, I do believe Philadelphia is just the better team here. Doug Peterson appreciates your support. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tennessee Titans, the Steelers, two-point favorites. The over-under is 52, and I'm inclined to take the under on this. The line at two points is a really tough line to me. How do you see this game? Yeah, first of all, I would highly recommend shopping around for different lines because while that is two in some places, Tennessee is still favored in other sports books. So make sure that you're shopping around for the best line. Um, Again, I don't see this game setting up very well for Tennessee. Their entire game is built off running Derrick Henry and then using play action. Pittsburgh's the number two ranked rushing defense in the league, allowing just 66 yards a game. Their interior of their defensive line with Cam Hayward, Tyson Alulu, and Stephon Tuitt, I don't think there's a better three-man front in all of the NFL. Uh, with the Titans losing some offensive linemen, I think they're going – Pittsburgh's going to dare Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball down the field. 
and with this shaky offensive line now, I, I just don't trust them. I think it's also worth noting uh, the under has now hit in nine of the last 13 games for Pittsburgh. You know, this is one of the best defenses year in, year out. Uh, they know how to take away your strengths. Uh, I, I'm looking for the under to hit in this one. By the way, Devin Bush out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a big injury when you're playing Derrick Henry. So while I agree with you about the way the Pittsburgh front seven is played all together, it's not going to be quite the same personnel package. And if it was a different team, Marcus, then maybe I wouldn't mention it. But it is Derrick Henry. It is the Titans. You know Mike Vrabel is committed to running the football. So that's a little bit concerning. That's why I don't want to touch the line on this one. But I'm going to go with you here and go with the under. Okay, we're going to go to Panthers at Saints uh, next up here. And this game is interesting to me. Carolina's lost six of their last seven in New Orleans. I think the game that they won was actually a garbage game. Uh, didn't have any meaning in the standings. The Saints are favored pretty heavily here. Seven points. The over-under is 51, so a somewhat high over-under. Marcus, of those two lines, which one do you like better? Yeah, I like the over here. The over is now hit in five straight games for the Saints. I think people are holding on to uh, what they thought about the Saints defense last year because what we saw in 2019 was one of the top five or six units in the NFL. They haven't been quite the same this season, so we're seeing more shootouts. Uh, the Saints offense, again, hasn't been great either, uh, but they can get to 27, 30 points relatively easy. Carolina is a defense that has really struggled this season. Uh, but as for the, the actual line, does Teddy Bridgewater get some revenge here? This is his first game against the Saints since being there last year. Uh, I kind of thought they made a mistake by letting him go. Uh, you know, he was 5-0 and as a starter with New Orleans last season. I, I would not be surprised if Teddy puts up a pretty good game in this one. So you got the over on this? I got the over. You know, I, I want to take the Saints to cover that, but we don't know if Michael Thomas is going to play, which is really important. So, I, you know, we're taping this on Wednesday. I'm going to go with you on the over with that being unclear right now. Um, I, the Teddy angle is interesting. I'm sitting here thinking about what you're saying, and I, I'm like, yeah, you know. Might uh, might be a little ticked. Little Teddy time. I mean, seven and a half is tough because you can pretty easily see the way that, you know, Carolina covers and still loses this game, right? If they're down 14 late in the game and Teddy gets a cheap touchdown just to count it to one score, you can 100% see it. So, again, this is, a, this is another one where I'm probably staying away, but I do like the over quite a bit in this one. Let's go to the next game, Seahawks-Cardinals. Uh, and that's my way of saying Panthers-Saints is a little boring to me. Uh, Seahawks and Cardinals is more interesting to me because Seattle is coming off of a bye. Marcus, I think all four NFC West teams could end up in the postseason, which would be remarkable. I also wonder, without a pass rush, can Arizona make life uncomfortable enough for Russell Wilson to actually win this game? Because if Arizona fancies itself as a team that can contend for the division, this is a game that they need to win. I know it's not a traditional home game. But they've got to win these kinds of games. The line right now is Seattle's favored by three. The over-under is very high. It's 56, which I don't want any part of that. What about you? 
Yeah, I think this is a fun line uh, or fun game, excuse me, but I think the line is off. I think Seattle should be favored closer to five and a half, six points. I just think they're the better team. And I think there's some excitement about Arizona considering what we saw on Monday night football, right? Them scoring 38 points and then 30 against the Jets. Everybody wants to believe in Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. But remember, Kyler Murray completed just nine passes in that game against Dallas in their secondary. He looked off. And for for most of this season – this offense just hasn't quite looked right yet. It hasn't clicked the way that we were hoping. I think Seattle is a far better team. Uh, this used to be a team under Pete Carroll that struggled on the road. That hasn't been the case lately. You know, this is a team that's won 10 of their last 12 road games. I expect Seattle coming off the bye to dominate, win this game probably by double digits. I, I think this is a stupid line. You think it's a stupid line? It, it, I do. I, I think this is my lock of the week. I think Seattle's going to win this one pretty easily. Lock. Okay. Well, a couple thoughts here. Uh, Seattle, last time we saw them, could not stop the run. The Vikings ran, ran, and ran some more, not just with Dalvin Cook. They had three different running backs because Dalvin Cook got hurt in that game, and the Vikings ran it even more effectively in the second half. That worries me a little bit because we just saw the Cardinals have so much success running the ball. To your point about Kyler Murray, it's easy to look good only completing that amount of passes when you're getting eight yards on first and 10 on the ground. It's a totally different thing. Even when the Cardinals were just trying to run the clock out, they took one to the house. Uh, Of course, the Cowboys defense is a different deal. The Seattle linebackers are far, far better than the Cowboys linebackers. So I have a little bit more trust about maybe containing Kyler Murray a little bit outside of the pocket in terms of his scampers. I will say this too, Marcus, about Kyler Murray. It's amazing to me at how good he is, savvy he is, at protecting himself on those runs. A lot of times with young quarterbacks, they're not the best at knowing when to slide, when to step out of bounds, when to live, you know, live to play another down. I feel like he's already got that like a veteran. Have you seen that yourself? Yeah, the, the worst example of a quarterback not knowing when to, to give themselves up is Josh Allen in Buffalo, right? I mean, he just doesn't know when to quit on a play. He's bigger than everybody else. That's exactly. Funny. And for his entire career, he's been able to run over guys and extend plays and that kind of stuff. Kyler's he's great. I mean, he's fantastic at getting outside the pocket and then sliding. Uh, you could tell that he's a former baseball player just a little bit with that sliding technique. So I agree with you. But I just think this is, this is going to be a Russell Wilson game. You know, their cornerback, Patrick Peterson, is fantastic. Outside of that, I'm not sure how they match up with the likes of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, I I think this is going to be a game in which Seattle very easily scores 30 points, and I think they'll make enough plays on defense uh, to win this one. How many rushing yards do you think the Cardinals had last week? 260. 261. Very good. Very good. Unbelievable. Yeah. And by the way, I know I know that Kyler Murray didn't make hay throwing the ball, but that that ball to Christian Kirk, pretty sweet. Fantastic. Uh, One of the top five throws of the week, without yeah, a doubt. When you make throws like that, man, you, you can uh, you can complete nine balls. You know, it's uh it's one of those things where the run game can really set up your deep passing game, which is ironic because the Cardinals' former head coach is really who's known for that, Bruce Arians. And uh, it was good to see the Cardinals get a big win in primetime football. But I'm with you. I like Seattle to cover. I'm staying away from the over-under here, though, Marcus. It's just too high. 56 points. I, I don't know if you would touch that. I don't, I don't want to touch it. You're thinking yeah, it's, a, 
it's a it's a little high, but I'm considering it, right? Maybe I'll throw that into a tease, tease it down six or seven points. But yeah, at 56 and a half, it's a little high. All right. Let's go to 49ers Patriots, which isn't going to touch 56 points, man. <laughs> so you have a Patriots team that's two and three. Cam Newton looked really rusty last week, but they're favored against the 49ers who just got a big win Sunday night. The Patriots are favored by two and a half. The over-under, I think, is right about where it should be, 45 and a half points. I think that's a good over-under. What do you think? Yeah, I think the 49ers are going to win this game. Uh, They're starting to get some guys back on offense with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. We talked about, again, on the game day, go look at that piece. We talked about their, their ability to run the ball with wide receivers to augment their, their rushing attack. Uh, no Raheem Mostart, Aug- but I do th- – yeah, it's a good word. I do think that they're going to be able to challenge this uh, New England defense in different ways, right? New England is pretty good against a standard offense. But when they have to start running sideways and they've got to worry about screens and misdirections, uh, they can be, you know, they can be exposed a little bit. I think San Francisco is a team that's going to go on a little bit of a run now. I know the defense is still incredibly banged up, but this is still one of the best coach offenses in all of the NFL. Kyle Shanahan is a genius. Uh, look for him to, to get a little revenge. I think this is the first time that they've uh, gone against each other since the 2017 Super Bowl, uh, Falcons and Patriots. So I think this is the first time that uh, Kyle Shanahan will get some revenge. Yes, I agree with you that Kyle Shanahan is functioning at a high cognitive level. I just wanted to match augment. I don't yeah, it's, it's I close. It's close. Line. I bet you he runs the football this time around. You think? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, pe- people are going to have a fit if he doesn't. The Patriots last week looked rusty. Cam Newton looked rusty. Obviously, they've had a situation here with the pandemic. And so, uh, for them, I think last week's game may have been an anomaly. So my first inclination is to stay away from this game. That said, Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than what we've seen. Do I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a top 10 quarterback? I don't. But I do think that Jimmy Garoppolo can play better than he has. And when you have an ankle injury and you're trying to push off and make throws, Marcus, I I don't think people think about that sometimes. You know that, that so much of your throwing motion is a full body. It's getting torqued. It's driving your throws. Mm-hmm. And if you can't drive your throws, they're going to be off. Passes are going to sail on you. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater. I think T- uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has something to play for in this game as well. The line is really low. It's two and a half. But it doesn't matter because I'm with you. I think the 49ers should probably be favored. And then you, you, you bring in the fact that there's no home field advantage I like the 49ers here to cover that spread. It's funny. I'm agreeing with you on every one of these picks, which is shocking to me. Uh, Last thing I'll say on this game, it is really hard to think of the Patriots starting two and four. And I know Mm. people say, yeah, but these aren't the Tom Brady Patriots. Remember what happened a couple years ago with Jacoby Brissett when they went in and they they dominated the Bills. Uh, Remember with Matt Castle in 2008, they went 11 and five. It is really difficult to think of them starting two and four on their home turf, but that's what I'm saying. And if the 49ers do lose by one point on a last minute field goal, you're fine because the Patriots are the favorite here. But saying New England's two and four, isn't that a little bit difficult? It it, it is weird. There's one more thing that I wanted to, to bring up. 
The special teams difference in this game, I think, is going to decide it. Uh, I don't think the Patriots trust their kicking situation at all. Nick Folk has been so up and down. Well, the 49ers do. They have one of the best kickers in Robbie Gold. If this is going to be a one-score game, give me give me San Francisco special teams and what they can do with Debo Samuel back to their returning kicks and punts. It seems so insignificant when we're talking about these games, but that's really what decides these really close contests. Yeah, I, we were talking about defensive players earlier in the conversation being MVP. Every time I watch Fred Warner for the 49ers, Fantastic. I'm impressed. Yep. I, it's he, he's a smaller linebacker than what we what were you know from the days of Patrick Willis, but he makes plays all over the field. He's great in the run game. He, he makes plays in the passing game. He just has so much energy out there. And if you haven't seen this guy play yet, let me tell you because there are other players in the 49ers that have commanded more attention uh, traditionally, Bosa and Richard Sherman. But uh, I'm a big believer in that guy, and I you know. San Francisco, not only could they win this division, but as I said before, that whole division might be in the playoffs. So even if the 49ers only finish, you know, nine and seven or 10 and six, it's not necessarily reflective of how good that team is because they're in the toughest division in football. I, I agree. I'm going to give you one more defender to watch out for on the okay. 49ers side of things. Jason Verrett, a yeah. former first round pick from the, the San Diego Chargers. He's finally healthy. And this is a corner with, unreal athleticism and quickness. Uh, he can play on the outside, can play in the slot. He's one of pro football focuses, highest graded cornerbacks through the first six weeks of the season. Uh, I'm just so excited that he's back on the football field. And he's a joy to watch. My over under was 30 minutes that you had mentioned pro football focus. So I don't know how I did in the podcast. There you go. I, we're, we're close. Yeah. He went to TCU, didn't he? I'm not, you know, college is where you can get me. I'm right about it. I think he was in the 2014 draft. Jason Brett was. Boy, lost the better part of how many seasons to, to injury. He was a really good corner when he came out, and uh, it's great to see him play well. And imagine if the 49ers did have Richard Sherman healthy and Jason Brett healthy and that front seven healthy. They wouldn't need Jimmy Garoppolo to play great football. Uh, they've done a great job managing those injuries. Better job than the Eagles have done. Better job than some of the other teams in the league have done. Let's go to the next game here. Bucks, Raiders. I know you follow the Raiders really closely. Bucks are three-point favorites in this game. The over-under is another high one at 53 and a half. What are you expecting here? Yeah, this one's interesting because I do think if the Raiders were 100% healthy, they do match up with Tampa Bay pretty well. They've got a ginormous offensive line uh, that just – knows how to run the ball. They can throw the ball to Darren Waller. They can throw to Hunter Renfro. My concern is Trent Brown, their Pro Bowl right tackle, went on the COVID reserve list today. I don't expect him to play, uh, you know, in this Sunday matchup. That means Sam Young, a former Dallas Cowboy draft pick from way, way ago, is going to be starting at right tackle. That makes me a little nervous. Um I, I just think Tampa Bay is a tick better in this one. They've got Tom Brady on a national stage. Uh, I expect this game to be close, so I'm actually staying away from picking the Bucks minus three. Uh, but I do like the over a little bit in this one at 53 and a half. Uh, the Raiders are averaging over 30 points per game this season. Their defense can be exposed. I'm looking at both teams to score in the upper 20s, allowing that over to hit. So you're staying away from the Bucks with a pretty low 
line there at minus three. I wonder why. I wonder why. Hmm. I mean, hmm. Could it be that I like you have the a little, little bit of bias? Just a little bit. No, no I think Come the on. Raiders are good. We've seen now the Raiders beat Drew Brees and the Saints on Monday Night Football. We've seen them beat that Kansas was like City. a month ago. We saw their last game. They beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. You know, that's arguably the best team in the league. 39 pressures they got on Patrick Mahomes last week. That's fair. Uh, If they can get any kind of pass rush on Tom Brady, I think they match up well. I am a little worried about their secondary. I think Brady is going to have some guys running wide open. I just don't want to pick against the Raiders, so I'm I'm just avoiding it. Good chance this game could be a push uh, at minus Mm. three. I could see this game easily being, you know, to your point about the over, I could see this game in 30 to 27 bucks, uh, which you would push on the spread. That would get you the over-under. Again, the over-under is 53.5 on this game. I'm going to take Tampa Bay to cover that. i tell you, if I, if I had to pick one game on the schedule that I like from a strategy standpoint, it's this one. Because both of these teams are so good at running the football in between the tackles. Correct. Josh Jacobs is a great inside runner. And say what you want about Rojo not being able to catch the ball. But, man, he ran hard against the Packers. And what I love about Bruce Arians is he will run. And if it's not working, he'll run again. And if it's not working, he'll run again. Against Green Bay early on, they weren't getting a lot. But they kept at it, they kept at it, and they kept at it. And then the Bucs will throw deep off of that. Which is really interesting because Tom Brady, we know, does not – you know, Tom Brady was never the strongest on quarterback. But you think at 43 years old, he's not going to want to go deep. But I bet you the Bucks take a couple vertical shots in this mm-hmm. game. They've been trying to do it with Gronk, Marcus. I think they're going to have success against that Raiders defense. I was giving you a hard time. I do think the Raiders are a pretty good team. But I like Tampa Bay to win by more than three points. I'm not crazy here, am I? No, I think I think this line makes a lot of sense. And I do think Tampa Bay will probably win. I'm just staying away because the Raiders are surprising me this year. And I think they're way further along in their rebuild than what anybody anticipated. Agreed. Uh, and I think John Gruden's doing a really good job of getting this team to play above their head. So would it be all that surprising if, you know, at home they're able to keep this game close, they're able to kick a late field goal to keep it, you know, within two or three points, would not be surprised at all. Let's give GM Mike Mayock a little bit of credit. Absolutely. They did a good job getting the young receivers in the draft. They got Edwards put in the third round and Ruggs in the first. Ruggs had that deep ball against Kansas City in the game that you mentioned. Uh, boy, that guy, that guy's fast. He will it changes the entire offense. Having a guy like that that can stretch the field and John Gruden consistently talks about forcing defenses to cover every blade of grass on the field. That's what Henry Ruggs can do for your offense. Another great angle to this game, John Gruden, former coach of the Bucs, and Bruce Arians is really the, the preeminent example, I think, in the NFL, making the defense play the whole field. Because when he was with Arizona, they would, you know, John Brown would have a deep ball to him at mm-hmm. least, I'd say, twice a half, it felt like. And if it wasn't John Brown, it would be somebody else. But they wanted the defense to know, we are going to run our offense and we are going to throw the ball 40 yards downfield. And an incompletion is okay because it's going to back your safeties and then open up the running game for, well, then first it was Chris Johnson and then David Johnson. And I like the fact that Bruce Arians does that. And then lastly, the Raiders are known for that historically, going deep all the time. I hope Mm -hmm. to see a lot of that this week. That's why I said strategically this game really fascinates me. 
One game I'm not so excited about kicks off our rapid fire segment, and that is Bills Jets. The Bills favored by 13. That's a huge line. I know the Jets are lousy, but Marcus, would you be confident saying Buffalo wins by 20 points or 14 points or whatever in this game? Yeah, the Jets are starting Joe Flacco at quarterback and Frank Gore at running back. The last time those two were good players was in 2014. Uh, this line would have to be like 2021 for me to consider the Jets. And yeah, considering the rule that I made earlier in the show, never betting on a bad quarterback, I'm taking Buffalo here. Wow. Even with that giant line. Okay, Browns, this is one of the toughest games to me on the week in terms of, of gambling, or even if you're just picking straight up. Browns, three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Bengals. Yeah, I think the Browns are going to bounce back here after a bad game against Pittsburgh last, last week. I think Baker Mayfield is going to be a little healthier. They're getting some linebackers back. I like the Browns to win this one by a touchdown or more. I kind of stuttered there for a second because I thought for a second that, that that's too high. You, so you think the Browns should be favored by a touchdown. The Bengals played play them pretty tough in Cleveland. I know they got a late garbage time score, but Joe Burrow threw 61 passes in that game. Uh, I thought he looked really good. The Bengals – I think they're going to turn the corner here. I would stay away from this game. Ain't no way I would lay any money on this game whatsoever. Cleveland probably wins by three, but I'm not betting on the Bengals. So there you go. Cowboys, a team near and dear to your heart. You were really hard on Andy Dalton. I think too hard at the Redskins. Cowboys favored by three. What do you think? I'm staying away from this game, but I'm, if I have to pick, I'm taking Washington here. Uh, you know, the Cowboys are coming off a, a weird week where they got blown out by the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. They have even more injuries to their offensive line with Brandon Knight going down and Zach Martin in concussion protocol. I like Washington's pass rush to dominate Andy Dalton and for them to get their second win of the season. Cowboys have historically had bad games in Washington. This is not a game that I would want to touch. Cowboys favored by three. I don't think the Cowboys should even be favored in this game, frankly. So that's my take on that. Now, I am making a pick on our next game. Lions at Falcons. I know everybody thinks the Falcons are awful. The Falcons are favored by two and a half. I think that they cover that, Marcus. I've got Atlanta to win this game. What do you think? Yeah, remember when you asked me about which teams I struggle with betting and I always lose on? The Falcons are another one. I, I just struggle so much because you look at the talent with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. You would think that they would win 10, 11 games every year. Uh, but for whatever reason, it doesn't always work out. But I like them to win this one. The Lions have one of the worst pass defenses in all of the NFL. I'm looking for Atlanta to score in the upper 20s, 30 points in this game, uh, and win this fairly easily. But we're agreeing on way too much stuff. I know. This is weird. We need to, we need to differ on one of these. I, I, I mean, I've, I've differed from you a little bit, but not enough. Not enough for my liking. Okay, this is my sucker game of the week. Packers are three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Texans. I think most people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm Green Bay all day on that. You know, the way they struggled protecting Aaron Rodgers against Tampa Bay, uh, David Bakhtiari left that game. It wasn't a serious injury, but if they're having more problems up front like this, or like that, rather, I, this is the kind of game we used to call it trap games. I don't think you can call it a trap game because the Packers lost so bad last week. Usually a trap game is when you're rolling, you play a lesser team on the road, and you get beat. Do you think Houston has a chance here, or am I being pie in the sky? I think this is going to be one of those historic Aaron Rodgers games where he throws for 350 yards and four or five touchdowns, and he just comes out and reminds everybody that he's the MVP candidate, 
uh, that deserves this one. I, I, I've looked at this game from every angle. I know Deshaun Watson's fantastic. Um, you know J.J. Watt's really good. I just don't see a way that their defense can stop Aaron Rodgers. Give me the three, three and a half points here. I, I think the Packers are going to cover that spread. One little thought on that. Deshaun Watson has had a history of having huge games when he's in a track meet. He has mm-hmm. been able to go mono e mono a lot of times in his career. I remember the first big one was at Seattle. I believe it was his rookie year. And he and Russell Wilson were going back and forth. If Aaron Rodgers plays like that, I think Deshaun Watson can match him. And I see Green Bay possibly winning by only three. So what really scares me here is that three-and-a-half-point line. That's why I don't want to touch this game. Uh, This next game, I might be more willing to touch. It's Jags at Chargers. Chargers, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. I know seven-and-a-half points is always tricky. Who do you got? This is the game that I'm probably going to watch the least of this week. It just, it's not entertaining to me at all. It's not going to be in one of my boxes when I'm watching Red Zone or, uh, you know, uh, the ticket. So I'm taking the Chargers here. I, I love a little bit of Justin Herbert. I think he's fun. Uh, the Jags, I think, are in the market for a new quarterback, and we'll see that here pretty soon. I'm with you. I got the Chargers to cover on this game. Justin Herbert is due for a win. The uh, Chargers have not played well at times on defense. But I think they're due. And earlier in the podcast, when we talked about the really bad teams in the league in terms of standings, we agreed that really there should be an asterisk next to the Los Angeles Chargers. And I still believe in Anthony Lynn. I think he's a good head coach. I think the Chargers are going to end the season at least 500, if not better. We'll see if I'm right on that. Uh, Chiefs, big spread here. 10 points in Denver. Is it too rich for you? This is one I'm probably staying away from, too, just because it's double digits. And Drew Locke had played well against Kansas City last year. The Chiefs don't look 100% right yet. Something still feels off. off. You know, they, they, they lost to the Raiders. They didn't look great against Buffalo. Maybe this is their get-right game. Uh, but AFC West games can always be kind of weird. I'm staying away. But if you're forcing me to pick, i probably take the Broncos plus 10. The um... – oh. Boy, I really want to. I really want to make a pick in this game, and I'm. I think I'm going to have to say walk away. It's mm-hmm. because of that spread. You know, there are always games, Marcus, where Vegas does its job, and you look at it and you say, you know, that's the right spread for this game. And when you see that, you got to walk. You got to walk. Do you remember the the uh, significance of this game though? Kansas City at Denver, twenty seventeen. No, fill, fill me in. This was Patrick Mahomes' first start, I believe, in a meaningless oh, game. Yeah, week 17, week, you're right. It was week 17, and Andy Alex Smith, I believe, led the NFL in passer rating that year. He had a good year. But Andy Reid's like, oh, let's take a look at Patrick Mahomes. He played okay. And we saw a little bit of what he could do. I don't think anyone was expecting what he did in 2018, but I always remember this game because of that. And, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes – if he's not the MVP of the league this year and Russell Wilson is, I think we can safely say that he's the face of the NFL. I agree. I think this is going to be a fun one. I think this is going to be one where a lot of back and forth scoring. We saw Drew Locke last week against New England. I know they only put up 18 points and they kicked a million field goals, but he had a couple drops from his receivers on just absolute dimes down the field. So I think in his second game back from that injury, I think he's going to look good. I think this has the potential to be a pretty fun game here in the AFC West. 
Yeah, we were supposed to go rapid in this segment, and I'm sitting here like giving you, you know, next thing you know, That's I'm right. talking about happens. old Chiefs Broncos game. So Bears Rams, Rams are five and a half point favorites. Uh, they did not look functional on offense against the 49ers. Cooper Cup and Jared Goff just couldn't line up. Meanwhile, the Bears keep winning because of their defense. This is a tough game to pick. Yeah, a couple of years ago on Sunday Night Football, we had a Bears-Rams game. Oh. It was the first game that the Bears oh. – excuse me, it was the first game the Rams uh, really were slowed down by anybody. It was the first time anybody shut down – yeah, Sean McVay. Yeah. Uh, I like the Bears here. I, th- I think they're way better than uh, what the point differential shows. And I know a lot of people are calling them paper tigers. Uh, there's just something about this team that I like quite a bit. I think it's a field goal game, so give me the five-and-a-half points in Chicago. I can't do it. I cannot. <laughs> I'm with you on the Bears overall. When we talked earlier in the podcast that you said the toughest team for you to pick are the Bears. So I'm not going to trust you now with your no, Bears. No, you shouldn't. I mean, I mean, again, I'm breaking my own rule here because I said don't trust Chicago and don't bet on bad quarterbacks. And I'm doing both of those here picking Chicago. But listen, I'm a sucker for, for, for the Bears, so I'm taking them. The problem is the inconsistency at the quarterback position. Jared Goff has been really tough. To, to trust all the time. I still think he's a good player. Uh, Nick Foles, is, he seems better as a long reliever than a long-term starter. So this 100% agree, is yes. Really, really tough. And then you throw in, you don't know how much of a home field advantage there is in the league right now for the Rams uh, or for any team for that matter. And then the oddness of this line, five and a half points. Ah, you know, a pick six either way could to turn this game. I don't feel comfortable with you betting on this game. And you can't listen to Marcus because he's terrible picking the Bears. And I was terrible last week, so I'm not going to give you a pick on this game. So coward. I say I'm just okay. calling you a coward for that pick. Uh, that's right. okay. That's okay. I say this is a void game, but I'm interested to see if the Bears can get another quick win. Hey, Marcus, this was fun, man. You did a great job. Congratulations on the new gig at the game day. Uh, you can buy groceries on the reg now, <laughs> which is great. And uh, I don't agree with, with all of your thoughts, but I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that you and I were in lockstep on almost every one of these games. I'm trying to think where we really differed, and there really wasn't much. Yeah, we're going to have to do this again and have some actual arguments, not just against some, some game picks, but some historical Cowboys arguments. I think that's, uh, that's what the audience needs. Yeah, I'm sure they really want to hear us deep dive on the Cowboys. Or I not. think they would. I, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Maybe, maybe so, but it'll probably more of us just crying, crying about what has yeah, happened to the football team we grew up with. Us poor, tortured Dallas Cowboy fans. I'm sure a lot of people are feeling bad for oh, us. Oh, yeah. Right? Went, went, went <laughs> with all the Super Bowls, right? Hey, Marcus, it was great to see you. Uh, I almost said in person, but over Zoom. Thanks for joining us. I know you're going to be on with us. And I also want to thank Sean from NFL Pick Watch. By the way, you can catch my stock up, stock down. I recorded on Sunday night after I watch a lot of football, and I let you know which stocks you need to watch, which stocks are, I think, are ascending as far as teams are concerned, and also stock down. Check that out on YouTube when you get a chance. You can follow Marcus Mosher on Twitter. He's got a lot of followers, and I'm telling you, he has really good takes. So as soon as you get off watching this, do that. By the way, you can like this video, you can subscribe, or you can comment on how big idiots we are below. Please, thank you.